Hello and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element Opie Productions, elementopie.com. And now, here are your hosts, John Mikulski and Brian Brueger. Hello everybody, welcome to the Tightwad Teacher, episode 33, Classroom Hashtag Chats for February 21st, 2012. I'm your host, John Mikulski, and joining me tonight is Mr. Brian Brueger. Say hi, Brian. Hi, folks. How are you? And wait, and waiting in the wings with the occasional comment is Mark Cockrell. Hi, Mark. Greetings, humans of Earth. So speaking, Mark, uh, why don't we jump in right with you? You have a, a big announcement. Is that correct? Well, not really an announcement. I, I wasn't here the last week, and, and you guys had your old uh, co-host uh, back with you, Mr. Sean Keibel. Now, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that, but he, he spilled his guts that he is now a, an I, I Apple know that's convert. What I know that's what I was going to talk about. I now have, as a result of that show... A new ringtone on my phone. Oh no! And it's it's the senior Apple hater of the world saying, "You know, I really love my new MacBook. It's great." <laughs> and I have set that so that anytime he calls me, it's Sean saying, "You know, I really love my new MacBook. It's great." Now, is there any chance that you could just whip that phone out real quick and just play that for us? Well, no, I, mean, I, I, I really it, can't. It, You'd have to have Sean call you. Now, see, that's the next step. you got to figure out next time you see Sean, you have to get a hold of his phone. I'm sure it's an Android, I believe, but you right. got to set that as his Android ringtone for when you call him. And right. that'll that be- would be impressive. <laughs> so um, when you're when you edit the podcast, can you just throw in the ringtone? Just dub it over <laughs> top. That would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I have to say, I am uh, rather impressed with my uh, MacBook Pro. I, I do enjoy it. <laughs> I, I've been thinking about maybe putting it to music, maybe like the, you know, that Mac music in the commercials where the little do 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 right. have that, and then him saying, you know, I really love my new uh, Mac uh, MacBook. It's great. You know, you stick that on uh, YouTube, and it's gonna go viral. We can we can have people do little like you know animations behind it of Mar or of uh, Sean like walking down the street or having a conversation at the Apple Store with at the at the Genius Bar. <laughs> no, actually, you'll need to Photoshop him in so he is the genius. That would be better. <laughs> <Behind the counter. laughs> yeah, you're having a problem with your MacBook. I love my MacBook. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's the new meme. You end every sentence with, you know, I really love my new MacBook. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait until I see him next on like the next periodic table because we I will find a way to keep tossing that in there in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> what, there's a movie what's the old uh bill murray movie is it bill murray where he he plays like one of those preachers like the the evangelist and they give him uh phrases that he has to work into his sermon oh, that's steve martin leap of or faith steve martin that, yeah. <laughs> yeah aluminum siding yeah <laughs> all right well, uh, 30 seconds in the show mouth. and we're already off all right <laughs> Well, played. you see, that's well what played. happens when I come back. I wreck the show early and I wreck it often. There you go. <laughs> and although conveniently at the expense of someone who's not here to defend himself. Well, that's the best way to do it, isn't it? A absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, let's not uh, wait any longer. Let's jump right in before we get any more off track um, with our guest. Today, our guest is Kay Stevens. She's a science teacher at St. Pius the 10th High School in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, Kay, thanks for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. Uh, and I'm, I, uh, I found you. It was kind of last minute. I was on my Twitter account uh, last, actually last night, and 
I saw it. I always look for hashtags and I saw a hashtag came up that I had never seen before. So I clicked on it and it turned out to be you. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, what you, what you do, where you teach. Well, I'm a science teacher at a high school in Ottawa in the Catholic board. It's called St. Pius X High School. It's been around for just over 50 years. And I teach, uh, my favorite course to teach is actually my grade 11 university bound biology course, which is the one that you uh, saw the hashtag with. But I also specialize in teaching high needs students and teaching science to them. And they're absolutely fantastic at following the process of science. Well, and you certainly have a, a lot of cred credibility to your name. You've won a, a whole bunch of awards and, and you've been involved in a whole bunch of things. So can you tell us a little bit about those before we get started? Uh, well, most recently I won the Smartest Science Secondary Science Teacher of the Year for the province of Ontario. That was for the year 2011. And uh, so that was pretty exciting. And one of the main reasons that I won that award was because uh, of the blog that I write and uh, it's pretty far reaching. I have a lot of followers and uh, I guess that's what uh, recommended me for the award. So that was pretty exciting for me. And I've also worked on several textbooks and I was also one of the judges on the first Google Science Fair, which was just this time last year, actually. Oh, that's really cool stuff. That's more fun than talking about Twitter, I think. <laughs> Maybe we, we mis <laughs> mistitled this this uh, whole show. Brian you, Brian, you did science for a while, didn't you? Yes, I actually taught um, high school physics and um, earth space science for a couple years down here in Florida. But you never judged anything for Google. No, I'm... That's she's way cooler than me. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty low bar, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> there's quite a few things that fall in that category, Brian. I hate to tell you. <laughs> You'd probably be interested to hear that, Brian, since you're a physics teacher, that one of the projects I'm working on now is actually for the Perimeter Institute in Waterloo, Ontario, uh -huh. which is a big physics think tank. Yes, that would be cool. Yeah, so we're working together. I'm working together with them to come up with some inquiry-based projects that uh, teachers from grade four to twelve can embed into their science courses. Wow! And now, Kay, could we just hijack the whole podcast and just talk physics? Because I think that'd be fantastic. No. <laughs> excellent answer. Excellent answer. Uh, okay, you you had you did mention you had a blog. Can you tell us the name of the blog just so we can link to that? So the blog that I've been keeping for over a year is called Eureka, Hands-On, Minds-On Science. Mm -hmm. And what kinds of things do you, you put on there? So what I write on there is I actually write about how I use the Smartest Science Framework in my class and, and what works and what doesn't work and how sometimes where I think I'm going to end up is not where I'm where I start out heading for, but it's all about learning, not just for the students, but also for me. So that's what I write about mostly on the Eureka blog. And I just started a new blog a couple of weeks ago called Welcome to Wonderland, because I've got a whole new uh, twist that I'm adding this semester to my courses, where everything is about wonder, because it's for a teacher, it's really, really important to find out what your students are actually thinking. So I've combined a couple of different methods to try to access my students' critical thinking because that's what school's all about. Uh, what a, a great medium to use to do that as well. Thank you. 
Okay, so let's uh, jump right in and talk a little bit about uh, the topic of today's show, and that's using Twitter. But first, uh, tell us your background on Twitter. How long have you been using it? Or, or more importantly, you know, there's, there seems to be this divide on Twitter between people who use it for uh, a professional using like the reason, like the, the PLN users, and then there's those people that use it to post uh, you know, where they are and what they're eating. So tell us a little bit about what you do on Twitter. Can't you do both? Isn't that okay? I, I guess, but... <laughs> I, I guess so. I did. I posted a picture of my leftovers the other day, and I realized because it came up in like the little uh, picture stream in like the, the corner, and I thought oh, I got to delete that because someone's <laughs> going to call me out on that at some point. Why would you photograph your leftovers? <laughs> uh, I, it was uh, it was from a, re- a restaurant, and it was really good leftovers, and it was like eleven o'clock. So first of all, that alone, it was like really good leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> because if it and, tasted good, we want to see it. Exactly. Well, that's what Twitter's for, isn't it? And uh, no, it was it was good, but it was like eleven o'clock at night, and I think it was a school night. It was a weeknight, and I have just this heaping pile of leftovers because it may have been like my leftovers and then the leftovers of my kids as well. So it was all just thrown into one big box, and it was like eleven o'clock, and I'm eating it cold, thinking I'm not going to feel good tomorrow, and I'm not going to know why. It's going to never connect to me. Why? So I took a picture and put it on Twitter. <laughs> Okay, so you realize that's wrong on two levels, right? <laughs> First of all, the school teacher in me has to say, why did you have your kids out at 11 o'clock on a school night? No, no, we, we, they already in bed. I was eating all their leftovers. They were, they were uh, asleep in bed. <laughs> okay, and secondly, it might have been more photogenic if you would have taken the picture of the food when it was presented to you instead of after everybody had noshed down on it. But that's just me. <laughs> You know, Kate, Kate, you don't realize how well you fit in on this podcast. <laughs> That's kind of scary, actually. Yeah, yeah, it is. If you had, yeah, if you listen to enough of the back ones, you'll know exactly how uh, offensive that actually is to say. Oh, Uh-oh. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm sorry. So back to the original question. So clearly, you are not one to be posting uh, pictures of food on your Twitter. What is it that you use it for? Well, primarily, I use it for a PLN. And really, like I, I keep telling my students this about Twitter and Facebook and all the other social mediums. Like nobody really cares if you're eating a bag of chips right now. And it's probably not a historical document. But I have to say that even though I primarily use it for a PLN, I've also used it for conversations. One of the things I do as a hobby is knitting. And sometimes I'll just post like, what does this knitting abbreviation mean? And somebody will tell me right away rather than me having to, you know call my mother and listen to her story sure so uh yeah but um like as a teacher what most of the people i follow are actually also teachers and so we have a lot in common and we actually get into dialogue you know how do you present this idea and and, uh, it's really it's really interesting for me and sometimes i find i go on twitter intending to engage and then i end up being a lurker because so many people are saying so many interesting things that I end up just reading everybody, which is really, you know what, a 21st century form of listening is actually lurking on Twitter because when you're listening, you're learning things. And sometimes you don't actually have anything to add when you're just a silent listener in the room. Oh, yeah. And case in point, that's how I found you. I think after you were done talking with your students online last night, I, then I messaged you and said, I've been watching and that's really cool. <laughs> Do you want to talk to us? But you're right. Like that's a, a whole other form of interaction, I guess now, isn't it? I think so. Yes, so, I do. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, Sorry? Go ahead. I, I cut you off. Go ahead. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so tell us where, when did you start or why did you start on Twitter? 
So originally I started on Twitter just less than a year ago. I was actually in May last year. And I was on the internet on the website for the Canadian Space Agency because since I teach in Canada, we always put the Canadian spin on our curriculum. And um, I was just looking for some resources for my classes. And one of the things they had on their website at that time was, hey, apply for our first ever tweet up, which was going to be in Ottawa because they had just recently renovated our era. Museum of Aviation to become the Museum of Aviation and Space. So mm -hmm. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I filled in the application anyway, which is a kind of a bad habit I have. And uh, then I got an email a couple of weeks later saying, yay, you're coming down to the new museum and you're going to meet all of seven, all seven of Canada's astronauts. So I was really super excited, except I had no idea what a tweet up was or how to use Twitter. <laughs> So that was just a little detail. So I was actually, I, I have, a, of course, young people are very technologically savvy. So I had a nephew who, as I was driving into the museum, was on long distance with me, telling me how to set up an account and how to follow a hashtag. And luckily, Twitter is extremely easy to learn because I could learn it that quickly. And if I can learn it quickly, I know that anybody can. <laughs> And that's why I'm not sure about the Google Plus account. Like, I might have one, but I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I, I agree, Kay. I'm not totally sold on Google Plus either yet, but uh, Mark is, is a big fan of that. So I've been trying to play with it a little bit. Well, this, no. there's just so much out there that what I, what I try to do is just learn a few things really well because you can't learn it all. Yeah, that's Absolutely. very, very true, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, now, from that point where you decided to learn Twitter so you could participate in a tweet up, um, what gave you the idea to go from there and then actually start using this with your students? Well, after I actually started using Twitter, I became totally addicted to it. So everybody has their bad habits and Twitter is mine. And I started <laughs> thinking, like, and I learned so much from it. Like, I wasn't just addicted like you might get addicted to cigarettes, which I can't think of the benefit of that. But it was so beneficial to me. And it led to a lot of opportunities. It led to me meeting a lot of people. It, meant to, it led to me getting to present a lot of workshops and do a lot of traveling. And... Um, I kept thinking, how can I integrate this into my class? How can I integrate this into my class? And of course, being a teacher, we're very aware of the safety of our students. And the internet can be a very unsafe place if you let it be, or if you're not informed, or even you can just slip into some of those dark holes by mistake. So I came up with this idea of having a hashtag so the kids could just follow our own conversations. And I thought that I, I, I engage myself quite a bit in different Twitter chats, and I find them really fast and furious, which works for me because that's the type of personality I have. And also I find them non-threatening because you could ask a stupid question and somebody else has the same question. So you really do learn there is no stupid questions. And no matter what level you're at, somebody is kind enough to say, oh, I didn't understand that once either, and here's what worked for me. So I just found the whole thing of Twitter and the hashtag possibility and the chat-ups of being a really rich way for me to learn. So this semester, I've started using it with my uh, biology class. I don't use it with my spec ed students because they're a very vulnerable group of students and they have enough threats to their lives. And I would hate it if something bad happened to them as a consequence of them being on Twitter. 
have you had any problems as far as security or kids getting on and either saying something inappropriate or someone else jumping on that hashtag and interacting in a way that you find undesirable? Have you had problems with that? Not at all. Not even once. See, and that's good for you to say as someone who's done this because um, I just recently found myself in a situation where I had I was presented with an opportunity to have some of my students go on Twitter and um, moderate a hashtag. And I've really been undecided on whether or not to do that. And I was actually sharing this idea with a, a colleague and she said, oh, absolutely not. That's a terrible idea because there could be people who stalk the kids and there could be people who say things inappropriate and you can't filter that. But I, I kind of feel like with Twitter, the security and the safety is in the fact that it is so open. Like only an idiot's going to go on there and say something inappropriate because it's there. There's no way for them to hide behind anything. I, I guess I don't. I was just wondering if you've ever had a problem with something so, like so, that. John, are you saying there are no idiots on Twitter? Was that well? Your, your point? No, I'm saying there's lots of idiots on Twitter. But I think actually, Mark, you've even said this in the past. You know, the the dumbest bullies are the ones that do it on the computer because there's a record of it. Right. You know, like if you're going to try to cause trouble and and uh, say something inappropriate, you're going to do it under your breath, passing someone in the hall. You're not going to do it on a Twitter hashtag with teachers watching, right? Well, you would think not. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, we are talking and, about and those I, fools. So. Like, we haven't had that problem at all. I have to say one of the things that happens every time I get onto a chat, because when we're doing a biology chat, we're always talking about biological events, which always include sexual reproduction. And as soon as the word sex has been in there, you start to get spanned by porn sites right. or porn stars. but the students that I work with are like 16, they're smart, and they know that if somebody says, hey, uh, something totally inappropriate, they just hit report and block, and right. that's all good. Right. Whereas if sure. you were working with maybe eight or nine-year-olds, they or maybe, I don't know, 12-year-olds, they might say, ooh, this could be fun. Right. And then <laughs> it would come, just because they're immature, and they, they wouldn't know. And uh, sure. so... You know, what I've seen on uh, Twitter for people that are working with younger children, I've even been engaged in a kindergarten chat, is they set up a Twitter identity for a day and they partner with another class, like across the country, across the world, and they just have one computer in each class on the tweet chat and they have the kids take turns Twittering back and forth and the kids love it. Well, and, and that could be good. Then, Sorry, I mean, if, if they were to use uh, a hashtag that's fairly obscure, that would be hard to come up with or, hard, you know, searchable or something, almost like a disposable hashtag chat, that would make sense to do something like that with younger kids. Absolutely. And like there, there's, certain, uh, there's certain programs, I'm, like I really don't understand the smoke and mirrors of the internet, but there's certain programs that just troll looking for keywords. Like if you ever type in the word iPad, you're going to get spammed by a bunch of people trying to sell you iPads. Uh, once I was actually tweeting about a mortgage and I got contacted by a thousand mortgage brokers. So there's thousands of, uh, I guess, programs that actually troll for keywords. But if you're in a kindergarten class, like you're probably not going to be talking about your mortgage or sexual reproduction. Uh, you might say the word iPad, but you know, if at the end of the day you're closing that account down anyway, no harm done. You know, this sure. happened to Brian, uh, Right around Christmas time, I was looking for a, a tablet to buy my mother, and I tweeted Brian and said, you know, any suggestions? And he wrote back, well, you could go with iPad or with a Zoom or with a Kindle Fire. <laughs> and then he immediately responded with, I'm about to get blasted for that. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. those keywords in now, the same tweet. And yeah. you, you the soon learned 
to use acronyms to avoid the programs that are actually searching yeah. for those keywords. Yep. Sure. The the techie in me is is wondering a little bit of the you know, I want to drill down to the detail of how specifically in, in this eleventh grade class, how do you um, do each of the students get you know their own Twitter accounts and things like that? Do you have to do permission forms or you know can you give just a real quick how you set it up with the students um, yeah. for those teachers who are listening? Yeah, so what I do, and again, you know, I want to emphasize that I'm working with mature students. These are 16-year-olds. They're academically inclined. And so uh, half of them already had Twitter accounts. Like, that wasn't even an issue. Okay. So I just put up, uh, you know, on my uh, projector one day, here's how to make a Twitter account. And by the time I'd finished even opening the window and explaining it, everybody in the whole class had a Twitter account. Like <laughs> The kids today are, like, just brilliant when it comes mm -hmm. to tech. And Twitter is really super user-friendly. Like I said, if I can learn in five minutes, like these kids, it's, it's a no-brainer for them. And for me, the biggest challenge of Twitter is actually quite a, a intellectual challenge. And that's where you have 140 characters. And the challenge is, say it in 140 characters or you don't get to say it. And you soon learn which words you can drop and abbreviate. And it's uh, kind of interesting that way. Recently, I, my kids, I work in a middle school and my kids have finally discovered that all the teachers have email addresses. My school is fairly locked down and um, we don't offer email to the students and we really don't tend to use email other than internal communication, but they figured that out. So now lots of times I have students who either email me documents or, you know, if they might have a last minute panic question before the night of a test or whatever. Um, and I kind of liked that at first. It was nice to have that instant communication with them. And because it was on a safe network, like my school's email system, I felt comfortable doing that. But now I've hit that extreme where I have kids who email me constantly for just little things. And um, it, 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 do you notice that happening with Twitter, I guess? is you know It's nice that you have that ability to connect outside of the classroom. But do you get on your Twitter account now and see that you have two dozen replies from students who are asking you things that now you feel obligated to respond back to and that turns into just monopolizing your time. No, because here's how it works. Like when I have my, my tweet chats or my tweet ups with my students, like we have them at set times and then for one hour. And when I get all these other tweets from them, like the ones you're describing, mm -hmm. I ignore them. I ignore them. I do not answer back because I fell into that hole once before with email. So I learned the hard way. So like a kid came to class today, miss, and he said, did you see my tweet? You didn't answer it. I said, I did see your tweet. And the answer is, and I just told him in person. Right. Right. Well, and yeah, it's just, I'm wondering how that works. Now, do you tell them that though? You say, I'm not going to address you during, you know, off times off the hashtag. Is that what you tell them? I would tell them if they asked. Okay. But, like, <laughs> They learn real quick. The thing is, like, you have to be real careful as a teacher because as a teacher, you're a professional and you're a professional in a, as a person of authority. So if you engage in tweet chatter, like just chatter, not, you know, what, what are the different phylums and things like that, then you could actually be accused of grooming a child for inappropriate action. So, like, we, our union actually has spent a lot of time telling teachers, don't go down that road. Because, right. And the thing is as well with like with email, it's not secure. So a, a, somebody could actually take an email you sent out and edit it and then say, look at this inappropriate email he sent to my child. 
and they have it in writing and you didn't write it. So it's a real slippery sure. slope and like I only want my kids to to learn and to be safe and I'm definitely not going to jeopardize my my own career or my own uh, reputation by engaging in something that somebody somewhere with the wrong mindset could misconstrue. Absolutely. Now, but let me just ask you, let's just play devil's advocate. What would you do in the event that, say, you were having this review hashtag chat and someone jumped on and, and either started saying something, like, I'm not even talking about a student, but someone else, because you really can't hold them accountable. I mean, what? nothing was stopping me last night from hopping on that hashtag and saying inappropriate things to your students. How would you address that? Or what would you, you know, do you plan it for that? Or do you tell the kids what to do in an event oh, like that? Yeah, absolutely. We would just block you. Fair we enough. We just block you. <laughs> and then we don't have to look at you anymore. Like with Twitter, you, blocking is instantaneous. Right. You know what I mean? Like I can do it in five seconds, so my students can probably do it in two. And you're out of there. You know, but you know what? It would be cool actually if you did jump in because sometimes I do get people that are watching jump in and say things like, like answer one of the questions or add some interesting bit of trivia, and the kids like that. I oh yeah, there's. I have haven't had a problem with anyone jumping in and saying something rude. But if we if you did, we'd just block you. Yeah, we had a, a guest on a while back, and he was a, a college professor, but he does something very similar. His name was uh, Doctor John Strange, and he was a, a professor in Alabama. But he does his entire college course uh, largely online with a, a hashtag. And that's actually how I found him because he encourages people to get on and join that conversation. And when you look at it that way, you're now taking your classroom and you're taking your expertise, but you're also adding the expertise of everybody else that's watching and following along to that. So it really makes a, a richer conversation or the, uh, the possibilities of a richer conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I like about Twitter. Like there's always somebody that can add something else and you just learn so much. And I have to say every single time that I've, I've engaged on a tweet up with my students the next day, the ki I, I always ask the kids, did you learn anything last night? Because usually we only tweet about stuff we've already covered. And every single time, every single student that's engaged has said, yeah. And they'll tell me what they learned or it might have been a misconception they had and now they understand it better or just something that because there's so much uh, content in our course, something that had just, you know, passed them by. And every single student has said, oh, my gosh, I learned so much. And that's actually been very good for the like, like some of the students were more reluctant to get in. And when they hear the other kids say, oh, yeah, I was only on for five minutes and, and I now I understand the difference between meiosis and mitosis is so much better. And the other kids are like, what? You went online for five minutes and now you get that? So they want, you know, they want to get on the gravy train. That's awesome. Now, what kind of uh, uh, warnings or advice would you give to, you know, a teacher who says, you know, hey, I'm going to give this a try and use Twitter with my students. Um, how could they get started? What's some uh, tips that you could give them? Well, again, you'd have to, it would depend on your grade level of your students and their maturity. So if it was a, like an elementary school, I, would, I wouldn't let the kids make their own accounts. I would make an account and use that with them. Uh, with older students that are more mature, I would actually tell them to protect their accounts. And then they just have to unprotect them for the actual amount of time of the, um, 
of the tweet up. So in my class, I explained that to the kids. I said, you know what? If you protect your account, this is what will happen. You just have to unprotect it to participate, keep it protected the rest of the time. If you don't want to mm-hmm. protect your account, this is what will happen. You need to know about how to block. You need to know if, if you see these keywords coming at you from someone you don't know, don't open it. It's inappropriate. And the kids that I teach are old enough that they they made their own decisions about whether they wanted to protect their accounts or not. Uh, the other thing I would say is um, if you are going to engage in a chat, what I did before I told my kids about it is I went online and I played around with some hashtags that were simple and easy to remember, and that's how why I ended up with Mrs. S. Bio, and they didn't actually cross-link into any other hashtags, so there was no confusion. So select your hashtag before you talk to the kids. Yeah, and again, feel free, I think a good rule of thumb too is you can have multiple hashtags or you can be using ones one time only and then uh, abandoning it if you want to try to keep it as I guess, private as possible, as private as you can be on Twitter anyway. Absolutely. Well, it, it, it would actually be a good idea to do that too for your archives. So you could actually go back to your archives and they each had a different hashtag because my kids actually get participation marks for, for joining in. So I could archive each of my tweet up separately and then I would, you know, I wouldn't have to say, oh, well, that was last Thursday and this was Tuesday. And if I had a different hashtag, that's a good idea. I might use that. How often do you do your hashtags? <laughs> I've only ever used one. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, but I, I, you, I never thought about changing it. But do they, do you get on there often or how often do you have those tweet ups? Oh, I see what you're asking me. Um, it works out up to about once every five days. Okay. And do you find that to really cut into time? Again, and I'm not speaking for myself here. I guess I should say that because God knows I, my wife, I don't know how she deals with it. I do more work at home sometimes than I do at school. But what would you say to teachers who say, you know, who listen to this and say, this sounds like a great idea and what a, a great use of a cool tool, but I can't do it during school hours and I, I have too much stuff at home to do. Like, how do you justify using at home time to be doing this kind of thing? Well, it's all about what you do. Like, you could spend an hour marking an essay, which is not my cup of tea. Or and, I could spend and, an hour. I, like, in for in me, reality, they wouldn't look at it anyway most times, right? <laughs> oh, you mean the teachers? No, the yeah. students. I know most times I'll leave all kinds of notes all over the papers and they'll glance for about oh, half a second at it and throw mean. it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's lots of research on that. They just want to look at their mark and that's that. They don't read yep. your comments. But for me going on Twitter, like for me, that's not work. That's fun. And when I'm engaging with my students and they're learning, like that's really exciting for me. I'm very passionate when I teach and, and to have that engagement level with the students and have them asking really rich questions and have them making connections and then you actually see that's why I call my blog Eureka when you see them make those connections it's like Eureka they get it and like that to me that's just really exciting that's not like drudgery or work for me marking essays that's work if I'm on Twitter with my students that's play and so it's just you know if you if Twitter doesn't work for you then don't use it what you know, like? This is how my students are getting their communication marks because it's the 21st century, and I believe they need to know how to use social media wisely. If you don't have the same mindset as me, then that's that's cool too. Like, there's lots of right answers to the same question. What a, a great way to elegant way to put it. Absolutely. Well, 
Kay, we don't want to keep it too much longer. Before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? <laughs> all right. Yeah, we, we covered everything. <laughs> uh, everything from my leftovers all the way to 21st century learning. I don't know. I, there's not a whole lot that we missed. I guess I guess I would have to say like it's I'm I'm one of the more mature teachers. The younger teachers coming in like technology is is what they grew up with. But you know what? I really encourage everyone to embrace 21st century technology because it's really exciting and it adds a whole new dimension to your classes and to your relationship with your students. And teaching is really not about the curriculum. Teaching is about the kids. And even if you think about who you remember as your teachers from school, it's not the one that taught you how to conjugate the French verbs. It's the one that taught you perhaps that it, it's okay when your dog dies and you're going to get through it. You know what I mean? It's all about the relationships. The curriculum is just something that we work around, that we have an excuse to interact with the kids, really. So embrace yep. it. Go, you know, meet the kids where they are. If the kids are on social media, get on social media with them. That's what That's I say. It. If you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> it works for me. <laughs> well, okay. Kay, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. It was really a pleasure. All right, so that was Kay Stephen, uh, science teacher using Twitter for all kinds of cool things. And I, it's a bold move, don't you agree, Brian, to, to put yourself out there like that and to, dare I say, expose your kids to all kinds of potential harm um, for the sake of all the potential uh, advantages that come with it. Yeah, I think, I think it's important to note the possibilities in, in any situation in terms of, you know, what could happen and then be prepared for it. But I think more than anything else, she seemed to be coming from a, from a perspective of, you know, meet them where they're at and um, be smart about it and give it a try. And it's obviously working for her. So that was pretty impressive. Yeah. My, and my like I said, a takeaway line from the whole show is the curriculum is something we work around. Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely right. <laughs> Despite the curriculum, we still teach students. <laughs> <laughs> Now, there, there is a show title for a future episode <laughs> if there ever was one. <laughs> no, I mean, one, one thing just to point out, like, I completely agree with what she's doing. And, and I am one of those people who tends to just jump in with both feet and hope for the best. And that's why I wanted to have her on. This really was kind of a short notice guest because I, I saw what she was doing. And I thought I got to jump on this now and, you know, see what it's all about because you do see a lot of teachers using hashtags and you see a lot of really good conversation coming out of that. But only just recently have I been seeing students getting involved in that. And that's pretty cool. So I, I'm glad that she got to share some of her ideas about that. Yeah, I think a lot of the topics, um, it's, it was funny because I didn't get a chance to read through show notes and things like that prior to um, writing down my tip for tonight. And some of these topics actually work right into my tip. So... I'm promoting the idea of just jumping right into the tips of the week. Are you good for that? Yeah, do it. Go for it. So my tip is, face it, it is not private. And, and this kind of comes out of a conversation that has happened recurring at my school between myself and teachers who keep coming up and saying, now you said that this is on the internet and you said that, you know, that it's private just with us. And immediately right there, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I can guarantee you that I did not say private and on the internet in the same sentence. 
Right. Um, <laughs> you know, at, at least not, you know, one relating to the other, if you will. And the conversation is, you know, teachers who are, you know, going and blogging or Googling themselves or searching for themselves. And they're saying, I'm finding a lot of information or blogs that I've posted and, and all that stuff. And I, I thought I disabled that blog or, you know, took that post down and that kind of thing. But they're realizing that their information is still out there on the Internet somewhere. And so my tip is be aware that if you are doing it on the Internet, always, always, always assume that it is absolutely 100% public. And it just seems to be an issue that kind of goes by the wayside because we assume that because we're only friends with a couple people on Facebook that what we posted there was, you know, air quotes, private. And the truth of the matter is, is absolutely it's not private and assume so and conduct yourself, you know, self in, in a way that assumes everything's public. Absolutely. Actually, I just recently got, well, I this could be warm up for another day, but I'll, I'll spill it now. Um, I had submitted a proposal to present at a conference uh, that it's the SUNY faculty, SUNY is the state, uh, or I'm sorry, University of New York, the, the whole you know conglomerate of, of universities in New York. But SUNY is doing a, a big conference this year called, uh, uh, I already screwed it up, what's it called? Informa uh, conference on Instruction and Technology. So it's a, a big information technology kind of thing. And uh, I submitted a proposal called um, Online Branding, Managing Your professor Professional Identity. Because more and more, this is becoming something that people don't even realize is out there. I mean, you put something on the, the web three years ago, and it's going to come back and bite you when you try to get a job somewhere. So you have to realize that, yeah, if it's on the Internet, it's always going to be on the Internet. And anyone can find it, even if you think it's blocked. Sure. And on that note, you know, as we're teachers, let's teach our students about how to be good about what they put out there, but also how to promote themselves positively. Because, you know, as we talked about in a previous podcast, it's we need them to know how to present themselves properly, not just how to not present themselves negatively. Right. Right. Well, the, my favorite quote when it comes to this kind of stuff is from Eric Schmidt, who's the who's the chairman of Google or whatever, executive chairman of Google, I think is his official title. But um, when Google came under scrutiny last year about uh, privacy stuff, his answer was very simple. If you don't want people knowing about it, you probably shouldn't be doing it in the first place. And that's a good way to, to live your life online. Excellent. How about a tip? Do you have a tip? Oh, I have. I don't know if it's a tip this week, but I have a shame, a shameless self promotion, and it's starting to become this uh, recurring thing. It should just be a whole other segment of our show is um, me just promoting John what my kids are doing. Yeah, you got it. Um, a while back, I'd mentioned this on a couple episodes, but uh, way back in like October, um, and you can find one of those episodes for me to, to rehash it. But my long story short. Some of my students made a, a video and put it online. It's kind of an anti-bullying video. They put it on YouTube and got all kinds of attention, tons of media attention, actually. Uh, a couple of the local stations uh, picked it up and aired it on like the nightly news. And um, since then, I've actually been contacted by a couple different editors for Scholastic Magazine. So there's actually um, one uh, article that's out this month, and then there's another full um, magazine that's dedicated to my kids. So it's pretty cool. I mean, talk about... Um, you know, global impact and really showing how the web can connect people. But 
in addition to that, they, with my help, they had come to me and asked if I could help them make a website to kind of promote this whole video. And they turned it into like a pledge drive too. So we, we made this video and this, uh, or they made this video and then we made this website. And it was all the rage at my school for like October and November. And then it just started to peter out because, um, you know, all the people that were going to go there, they thought had went there and it, it kind of died out a little bit. Or at least we thought, because just recently I, I went back and I, I took a look at the statistics on the site and I noticed that we are still getting like anywhere between one and 300 hits a day, which it, as far as I'm concerned is a pretty good number for a site that it, for more or less has been abandoned for the last few months. So sure. I, I was th I was thinking about it a little bit and um, with the idea, also knowing that we are going to be in this big national magazine come April and people will be, they'll be driving traffic to the site as well. I thought, well, we should probably start building some more content into this thing. So again, I talked to some kids and I started to brainstorm and um, I decided that we'd open up kind of like an interview blog section and we just started that. So I, I guess I wanted to share that out again, just because it is something new to the site and if previous listeners maybe went the first time now that they know there's more there. Um, but to talk about like just an authentic experience for my kids, what we've been doing is I've been finding people, I kind of do the footwork and then they do all the dirty work of actually interviewing and coming up with questions and things. But we've been finding people who are somewhere involved with the whole idea of either leadership or, you know, student empowerment or anti-bullying or, or anything like that, acceptance, individuality. And I get the kids on a Skype call and they just chat for a few minutes. And then the ELA teacher and me makes them actually go through and pick out a few quotes from what that person said and they write up a little blog post that goes with it. And then we've been posting it on the site. So uh, there are now two in the first week, we got two interviews up already. And uh, the one, I, we already peaked early and I think I mentioned it to you guys. Um, some of my kids got to interview um, Miss New York yesterday and the interview with Miss New York is now on the website. So my, is there a video? That's the important thing. There is not a video. And actually, I, much to the just the, the sweeping disappointment of all my kids, I purposely picked three girls to do that interview. And uh, the boys were very, very unhappy about that. <laughs> Although I will say this is a, maybe a sneak, a sneak peek into what's coming next. I, I did make contact with one of the reps at the Buffalo Sabres. So I'm thinking if I can redeem myself with the boys, um, it's going to have to be getting a, a big name Sabre to hop on. And, and chat with them a little bit. So hopefully that's a future guest. But if you're interested in either taking a look at that original video or um, seeing some of the interviews they've been doing, the original website is just wearethesolution.net and the blog, you can either link off, uh, off that main page or the blog directly is blog.wearethesolution.net. So um, keep an eye on that. Again, it's really cool because it's, for me anyways, it's really cool because it's truly student driven. Um, all I'm doing is just being the utility that puts things on the actual physical website. But very, very cool. So take a look at that. That's my shameless self-promotion tip of the week. Excellent. <laughs> See, and you can't say anything bad because it's about anti-bullying. So go ahead. I dare you. I yeah. dare you to say something mean to me about it because I, I, you'll end up going on the website as a story. <laughs> okay, perfect. Here's my something bad about it. Is there <laughs> such a thing as a big name Buffalo Sabre? Ooh. Oh, come on now. What? what? <laughs> Oh, wait, well, yes, like there is. Ryan Miller circa 2009, maybe? I would say Ryan Miller because he came from Michigan State. 
Oh, well, Patrick, <laughs> you know, not he's not a, a Sabre, but uh, Pat Coletta grew up right around here. So I, I'm working on Pat Coletta, too. See, doing the podcast really has helped me because, see, now I figured out how to find people. Like, I can hunt down people and I'm learning about, like, even, <laughs> you know, publicists and stuff. So I'm getting pretty good at finding um, those marginally famous people to talk to me. <laughs> Much like you two gentlemen. That's how I found Brian. I count you as one of my finds, Brian. Well, well, uh, <laughs> don't count me as a find. Remember, <laughs> we already figured out earlier there's a lot above me. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of finding people, how about we uh, tell our listeners how to find us so they don't have to be as good as John? Take it away, Brian. <laughs> well, a few ways. Uh, primarily, elementopi.com slash teacher, And if you are on the Element OP website. You can also check out some of the other great podcasts, um, such as the Tightwad Tech and also the Periodic Table, which happens on a, a regular basis, which is basically a lot of the warm-up type of things that we talk about here. Just just hours and hours and hours of it. <laughs> <laughs> All wrapped into one bucket of fun. Um, also, uh, via Twitter is probably one of the most effective ways and also appropriate for our topic of the day. You can find John at John Mikulski. You can find me at Bruger. And if you'd like to talk to Mark also, he's a friendly feller, and you can talk to him at Mark Cockrell. Um, there's also Facebook.com slash um, Element OP, and you can also do a search for Tightwad Teacher there. And lastly, phone, feel free to leave us a message at 559-IAM-OP. Well, that about wraps us up this week. Uh, next week, just to give the, the heads up, our guest is going to be Alex Pruner. He's actually um, going to be representing DonorsChoose.org, which is a, a great site, especially for those teachers who have no money or come from schools that have no money and they're looking for new gadgets and things for their classrooms. And he's going to talk about how you can get those. So that's next week's episode. Uh, but I guess for this week's episode, um, we will wrap up now and I will say uh, good night, dog. Good night, folks. Good night.